You feel that little touch of fall that is in the air this morning? Uh, here we are in the very beginning of the autumn season. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, a little bit about autumn. My childhood, of course, uh, my childhood autumn was lived in Indiana. And that time still holds precious memories for me. Uh, Mom would get out the warmer clothes. We would have... Uh, apple cider and donuts, uh, Halloween was coming, we would have weenie roast, and you've got the harvest moon, pumpkins, and the best of all in the fall was Thanksgiving. Fall was a wonderful time of the year. And while we may think Texas is the only hot place in America, the summers in Indiana were hot and sultry. Brother Ken can testify to that. But that summer was over. And though it meant back to school, there was a pleasant feeling in the autumn the anticipation of what was to come. That was fall in Indiana. That's not fall in Southeast Texas where I live now. To say we have a fall season in Southeast Texas is sort of off base because we're still wearing our sandals to Kroger's at Christmas time. Fall in Texas means the temperature dips to 70 overnight and maybe the high for the day will be 89. The mosquitoes are the size of hummingbirds. But as one Texas lady said, it's fall, y'all, and we like it. And so we sit in our chair outside and enjoy the, the cooler morning while we sip our pumpkin spice latte. And we decorate our homes to look like we're somewhere in New England. Yeah, fall is different in Texas, but there is still that pleasant feeling about autumn and the anticipation of what is to come. Maybe you have nostalgic feelings at this time of year like I do. Maybe you can remember fall when you were younger. Now you know that I've not come here this morning to talk about the seasons and the change of seasons but I am coming here this morning to talk about the autumn of our lives. You see, as we grow older, there's a strange mix of nostalgia and blessings and potential and anticipation of what is to come. That is especially true for the Christian. We often have lessons about life for young people, and I've got to meet some more of the young people this morning. We talk about how you should serve God when you're young, and we, we give these young people warnings about what's to come in life, and you need to avoid the pitfalls of life. But for those who are my age, well, we have already lived much of our lives, and hopefully we've avoided some of those pitfalls. But here's the question. Are there any lessons for those of us who are now older who live in the autumn of our lives. One lesson, one lesson is that we ought to bear fruit in the autumn of our lives. I hope you were able to get Brother Ken's lesson last night about fruit bearing. It was really a terrific lesson and he presented things to us that talked about what we can do in this time of our life. The word autumn only appears, as far as I know, one time in the Bible, and that's in the little book of Jude in verse 12, when there it speaks of 
false teachers, and they're compared to autumn trees without fruit. And the implication in that text is that in the autumn, trees ought to bear fruit. The fall is really the most fruitful season of the year. Many of the apples that you eat are harvested in the fall. And and when we reach the autumn of our lives, we ought to bear fruit for God. And as Brother Ken taught us last night, it can potentially be one of the most successful parts of life, bearing fruit, the best and fullest maybe of our life. And yet as we reach autumn, there's a temptation to say, well, you know, I've done my work when I was young and now I'm old and I hope other Christians will take up the work and we sort of go into retirement. But there's also this. As we grow older, when you get to be my age, and, and I was speaking to the boys over here, to Tucker and Elijah and his brother. Uh, these boys are 15 and 17, two 15-year-olds, a 17-year-old. And I said, you know, I used to be 17. You, you see someone like me, you think, well, he's always been old, I know. But I was 17. In fact, inside, I'm still 17. I'm still that boy but I'm stuck in this old body. But what happens as we grow older, sometimes we think that we're of little value in our later years and we surmise that we're old and in the way. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever just feel like I'm old and now I'm a burden? I'm just in the way of other people and people just merely tolerate me. We shouldn't feel that way. I have to tell you a story about a sister that Lee and I loved very much. We obeyed the gospel in 1969 at the Mooresville Church near Indianapolis. And after about six months, it was a long, long drive from where we lived. And so we placed our membership at the 40th and Emerson Church in Indy. And at the Emerson Avenue Church, we met a lady named Lorie Suits. Lorie Suits was 75 years old when we met her in the fall of 1969. She was in a wheelchair, had been in a wheelchair for a number of years, and she was blind. She'd been blind from age 13 when she was just a teenager. She had an eye problem and a doctor said he could solve her problem and cure her poor vision and he put something in her eyes that made her go completely blind. She never saw another thing the rest of her life. You would think, oh, she must be bitter. Oh, no, not at all. Not Sister Larie Suits. She wasn't bitter. But at this point in her life, at age 75, she has terminal cancer. She is receiving chemotherapy, but the, the growth in her abdomen continued to expand, and it was inoperable. And you would think, here's a woman dying of cancer in a wheelchair, blind. What value could she be to anyone? Let me tell you, we were having a gospel meeting that week, one particular week in the fall of 69, and Larie Suits was sleeping about 18 hours a day because of the chemotherapy she was taking. She would get up in the morning and have a bite to eat and then go back to sleep and sleep till the mid to late afternoon. And then the people who were taking care of her would get her out of bed, would bathe her, feed her, 
dress her, and she would come to the gospel meeting, never missing a service of the gospel meeting. Brother James Cope was the preacher that week. The sister Larie Suits, who you think would not be of much value, she set an example for everyone in that congregation. She was not going to stay away from worship if she could at all possibly be there. And she was there night after night. And I, I believe that her example may have done as much good for that church that week as the good preaching of Brother James Cope. Old and in the way? No. Merely tolerated? No. She was a blessing to the congregation. And she was bearing fruit just by her example that she set in life. I want to talk about four things this morning. Four things that I think will help us to get a right view of life. That will help us keep the right perspective in our autumn years. First is what I choose to call the unchanging nature of God. The seasons of life, they come and they go. And with them, the, the winds of change. But there is a God who remains unchanged and is unchangeable. Listen to this passage in Psalm, Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. Moses says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The idea that God has always been and he will always be from everlasting to everlasting. He is God and he is unchangeable. A lot of change in our world. And I look around in the world, a lot of things I don't like to see. I don't like to see the moral changes and some of the other societal changes that are taking place. We turn on our TVs and we see same-sex marriage. We see other kinds of immorality. We see abortion of all, all sorts of wicked things. And we're painfully aware that our grandchildren, Lee and I have six grandchildren, our grandchildren have grown up in a world that is very different than the world that we grew up in. And sometimes the change we find to be very painful. It makes us uncomfortable and it grieves us in our hearts. We're much like Lot in 2 Peter chapter 2, where he vexed his righteous soul because of the wickedness that was all around him. But it's not just moral change that distresses us. Personal changes. Changes are taking place in our own lives. We watch our kids and our grandkids leave home and we're trying to figure out where did the years go? My little granddaughter, Michaela, is... I guess 23 years old now. I remember when she was so tiny, I could just kind of hold her under one arm and cradle her like that and carry her. How did 23 years pass so quickly? When I was very young, I would hear my mom and my granny say, you know, when you get older, time goes by faster. And I thought, well, okay, yeah. But probably by the time I'm 25, it'll level out and time won't go by faster. But here I am at age 78 and the accelerator keeps going. The speedometer goes faster and faster when it comes to time. It used to be a year was for a long, long time. And now a year goes by like that and it's another year and another. Where did the years go? We also witnessed the passing of our friends our dear brethren in Christ, 
And our lives are changed by the passing of each one. And you know, we come to expect that. My contemporaries at home at Dallin Road Church, I have buried, over the course of the 44 years I've been there, I've buried more than 150 people. And, and I come to expect, yes, you know, another year or two, brother so-and-so won't be here, sister so-and-so will be gone. And every time that happens, it brings about a change in my life. I also have come to learn and expect, expect the slow, steady decline of my own vitality and health. I cannot run as fast as I used to run. In fact, I could barely run at all at my age. And we wonder about our future. Who's going to take care of us when we can't take care of ourselves? You see, change is all around us. But then there's something maybe that is completely unexpected. Something we didn't really think would happen. We never thought about it. Other people, the people around us, they begin to treat us differently. Just because we're older, they begin to see us as old people. Yeah, we have lots of old people in our congregation, and, and Max and Lee, they're part of the old people. And that's kind of hard to accept. Eighteen years ago, I was in a gospel meeting in Zion, Illinois, and it was set up for me to stay with one of the families for the week that I was there. And they had everything arranged, and David's, uh, David Padfield, the preacher, had said, okay, you're going to be staying with this family. But then he said, just before we got there, before Lee and I arrived, the lady that we were staying with said, oh, by the way, how old is this guy who's coming? David said, I think he's about 60. Oh, can he climb stairs? <laughs> yeah. See, people are looking at me as old people. That, that same year, shortly after I got home from Zion, Illinois, there was a, a 10K race on, on Thanksgiving in Beaumont, and I, I, that had been my custom, was to run that race every year. And when the race was over, they gave me a little trophy, and the lady called my name. She's up on the stage. The, the MC called my name, and uh, she gave me, a, I think it was a third-place trophy, and she said, Sir, thank you for being here today. You are an inspiration to all of us. <laughs> At age, I never thought of myself as being an inspiration to anyone. But she thought I was at age 60. But here's the point, ladies and gentlemen, amidst all the change that's taking place all around us, there's one person, one thing, never changes our eternal God Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. It's a simple statement. I am the Lord. I do not change. Recall the verse, the second verse of that song that we sang a few minutes ago, Abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim. Its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Think about that. Change and decay in all around I see, but there's one who does not change, and he's the one who abides with me. God doesn't change. His existence, his nature, always the same. His character 
is always dependable. His truth doesn't change. His ways don't change. God's purposes for your life and mine, they do not change. And his son doesn't change. Let me just put Hebrews 13, 8 up there. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is some permanence there in God. Jesus is the same as he's always been. And God's children are going to enjoy a fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit a million years from now. God's children will enjoy the blessings of heaven a million years from now in a place where we do not count years. This whole world may fade. In fact, it is fading. It is passing away. The stars of heaven may fall. The seasons may change and winter may come. But the God who has been our help through the ages will continue to be. If we were to take the time this morning right now just to pause this lesson and go around the room and talk about people who are like my age, and I ask, how have you made it this far? How is it that you are still here and, and that you have accomplished things in your life? And people would say, God has been with me all the way. And that's true of so, so many people. God has been our help. He's been our help in ages past, and he's our hope for the future. God has brought me this far, and he's going to take me a little bit further, all the way to the end, and into eternity that is to come. You see, because God changes not, I can have stability in my life. I can have joy. I can have a sense of joy about the future. Someone says, well, Max, you're old, you're getting decrepit. I see you're wearing glasses. You limped getting, coming up the step. And I've got aches and pains I won't even tell you about. But as long as God's with me, we're going to be okay, folks. We really are. And, and, you know, we think, oh, what's going to happen to me in the future? I might get sick and die. Well, everybody's going to die. Whether you get sick and die or you die some other way, you're going to die. But you can have stability in your life right now because of the unchanging God. You are connected to Him. And that can bring you a sense of joy even in the days when your body is hurting. You have life unending. And that gives us comfort. It gives meaning and value to the autumn of our years. Yes, we're in the autumn of our lives. People like me, we are. We may not have many years to go, but our trust is in our God and in the fact that he is unchanging and he's made many great and precious promises for us. Here's the second point I want you to see, and that is the remarkable foresight of God. Have you suffered any setbacks along the way in your life? <laughs> Who hasn't? We all have. That's the nature of life. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and what? Full of trouble. That's right. Few days and full of trouble. Life, life brings us many problems. The people of Israel, look at all the problems they experienced throughout their history. This was a nation, you start with the time of Abraham and come up to the time of Jesus. It's a nation of highs and lows. It's a nation of ups and downs. It's a nation where sometimes they were righteous and sometimes they're extremely wicked. But Israel survived all the way to Christ. They survived every imaginable problem for those 2,000 years. Many of the problems they incurred were self-inflicted. 
But God's providential hand was there to correct them, to chastise them, and to guide them. And God was there to bless them when they repented. I want you to notice this verse with me in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 and verses 25 and 26. Here the people of God had gone astray, and God had brought judgment upon them. But God also made promises. Turn back to me, God said, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army which I sent among you, you shall eat plenty and you will be satisfied, he said, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Here were, here were God's promises if his people would repent. God in his foresight knew that his, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> God knew that his people would serve his purposes. The only problem the people of Israel ever had was a failure to trust in him. The fault was exclusively in them and not in God. We look at them and we wonder, how could the Israelites be so foolish as to turn away from God, as to go after idols and do the, all the wicked things that they did in their long, long history? How could they be so foolish when God promised them blessing upon blessing? point is, even when God had to judge his people as he did in the time of Joel, God provided for his people all along the way because he had a great plan that he was working out to bring the Messiah into the world through Jesus. God knew their needs. God knew what would help them to be what they ought to be, even if that meant judgment had to come upon them. But God brought them all the way. The remarkable foresight of God. God knew what he was doing. How far has God brought you? What has God provided for you? Look back over your life. Here you are today. Maybe you're as old as I am. Maybe you're even older. But God has brought us this far, hasn't he? And why did we ever entertain any thoughts or doubts about God, whether or not he would make provision for us, whether or not God would bring us to this point in life? God knows what he's doing. When I began preaching in 1970, I quit my job where I was working for General Motors in Indianapolis. I worked at the Chevrolet truck plant in Indianapolis. And I left a job where I was making more than $300 a week, which was a good, not a good salary today, but it was a great salary back in 1970. And my dad, my dad thought I was making a horrible mistake, leaving that good job as a tool and die maker. I took a job as a preacher making $125 a week, more than $300 a week to $125. And my dad and some of my brethren thought it was a terrible mistake. But about 20 years ago, my dad, I flew my dad down to Texas and flew him down to Beaumont, and we were able to spend some time together. And we were having lunch at Wendy's, and dad said, son, I never believed your life would turn out like this. 
you've done well in life. And of course, when he thinks doing well, he thinks, okay, you've got a nice car and you've got a nice house. But he said, I thought you were making a terrible mistake when you left the Chevrolet plant in Indianapolis and started preaching. But you know what? God has brought me all the way. God's taking care of me. And my dad and I were sitting there at Wendy's, Wendy's restaurant and talking about my preaching work. My dad is not a Christian, was not a Christian. But he thought it was a terrible mistake. I had brethren who thought it was a terrible mistake. This kid's only been a Christian 18 months, and he's going into full-time preaching. Look, God brings us along the way. We need to be faithful to him. He's brought us this far. He'll take us a little further. God knows the future. We can trust our future to him. We can trust him with whatever's going to happen to us in our later years. That's what I mean by the remarkable foresight of God. He'll take us through the autumn of our lives. If we should live so long, God will bless us and honor us if we continue to honor him. My dad said to me as we're having lunch at Wendy's, he said, son, I'm proud of you. You've done more with your life than I ever thought you would. Dad cried at Wendy's on a Saturday afternoon. He cried at Wendy's because his boy had turned out to maybe be worth something in his eyes. Our Lord knows the end from the beginning. And if we will honor God, he will honor and bless us. I want you to hear his word from, from these passages. Look at this in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And in this context, it's talking about the Babylon and Cyrus and all that's involved in that. But here's what I want you to see. God knows how things are going to end. And if we'll walk in his ways and do his will, we're going to be okay. God is going to take care of us. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. It is God who brings us along the way. That's why I'm speaking of the foresight of God. If we'll walk in God's ways and do God's will, we'll be blessed by God. One more passage. Acts 15, verse 18, known to God from eternity are all of his works. God knows what he's doing. He's working out his plan. And our mission is to put ourselves in his plan to do his will and to conform to the will of his son, Jesus Christ. And we do that, everything's going to be okay. And so I ask, how far has God brought you? What has he provided for you? He brought you he's brought you this far, hasn't he? And you're doing okay. And that brings me to my third point that we need to think about this morning. And that is the wonderful blessings of God. You know, the autumn of life is a time to focus on God's blessings. Back in the book of Psalms and Psalm Psalm 137 and verse 25, David said, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging 
of bread. David recognized God's blessings in his old age. This passage in Psalm 103, he said, Blessed be the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And I would ask you this morning, what has God blessed you with? What are you thankful for this morning? Do you have family? Be thankful for the family that you have. Do you have friends? Cherish and nurture those friendships. Take time for your friends and count your friends as a blessing from God. You have brethren. You have an assembly full of people here this morning with whom you're in fellowship. And these are people who love you, who will encourage you and help you on your way to heaven. You are being blessed. And sometimes we just forget about all the wonderful blessings of God. Cherish those friendships. Take time for your friends. Count them as a blessing from God. Look at all you have. Don't focus on things you don't have or can't have. God will give you strength for your day. God provides food and shelter. He watches over you. And I'll tell you what you can have when you're, at, when you're at my stage in life, when you're at the older part of your life, the latter part of your life. In the autumn, I think you can have a better and richer perspective of what God has done. When I, when I became a Christian, my dad was not particularly happy with me. The year was 1969, and I had quit drinking and quit gambling just shortly before that. My dad and I used to go out to bars two or three nights a week, and we'd have a lot of fun together. We'd drink, we'd gamble, do all those things. By the way, my dad thought, if people in the church ever find out how this guy used to live, they wouldn't let him preach. I tried to explain to my dad, Dad, I've been redeemed. The people in the church know what kind of past I had. But Dad, well, there's a lot of things I could say about my dad. He never became a Christian. But he saw the change in my life. And he wasn't altogether happy with it. One time I went to the house, mom and dad's house, and dad opened a beer and set it right in front of me and said, drink up, son. Can't do that, dad. Can't do that anymore. I used to do all those things. And dad thought if the church ever finds out how I used to live, that would be the end. They wouldn't have me as a preacher any longer. And I tried to explain to Dad, Dad, it's about redemption. It's about taking an old sinner and changing his life. That's what the gospel is about. And I've been blessed. And, I, and the more I look back today, the more I realize the blessings that God has been, that he's brought to my life. And it's, I find it easier to count those blessings easier today than ever before. But I will tell you this, my friends, do not take God's blessings for granted. When we're young, we sort of take it all for granted. Yeah, okay, I'm a Christian, and yeah, I've been forgiven of my sins. But there's so much more. In our later years, it ought to provide us with more time to pray, more opportunities to study His Word, and more time contemplating the eternity which is to come. You know, we're only on this planet for just a little while. We're here, and we live our 
three score and 10, 70 years, or if we have 80 years, still our life on this earth is going to end. And we look at all the blessings that God has given to us along the way. And the older we get, the older I get at least, the more I can appreciate what God has done over the years. And I think I spend more time today contemplating the eternal life which is yet to come. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus talked about all the things that we get in this life. He said, you're going to receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. But in the age to come, eternal life, we get to live forever with God and not live together in an old broken down body where the hip hurts and the eyesight is poor. We get to be with God forever. And the older I get, the easier it is to contemplate those eternal blessings of God because we get weary. When you get old, you'll get tired of getting up in the morning and having pain in your hip, trying to find your glasses. You can't find your glasses because you don't have your glasses on. And you struggle just to get through the morning and then, okay, you're, you're set for the day, but the day will bring its hardships. And life is not as easy as it used to be. But God has promised us eternal life. That's what he says in the age to come, eternal life. Those are God's blessings. Unchanging nature of God, the remarkable foresight of God, and the wonderful blessings of God. I want to thank you for inviting me to come and speak in this series for the, just these two days. It's been wonderful to make new associations. It's been wonderful to see some of our old friends that we haven't seen in quite some time. I thank you for this time. Can we pray together? God, our Lord, we come to you with humble hearts thanking you for this time that we have this morning to gather and to consider your word. Lord, we recognize our inadequacies and that we're nothing without you. You are our God. You are our strength. We call upon you for your help. Whether we're in the early stages of our life as some of these young men and young women, 15, 17 years of age, or whether we're 70 or 80, we need you, God. We confess our need for you. And we ask your blessing on us. We pray that our studies this morning, the studies that are yet to come, will be beneficial for each of us and our hearts will be more finely tuned according to your will and we'll be more determined to be with you in eternity. Help us, God, whether we're young or old, to live for your, for your son Jesus and to do his will. Prepare our hearts for the eternity which is to come. We pray this, Father, in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. There's, there's one more point, and I've got just three minutes. And that final point is the need for commitment to God. You know, autumn is a good time to focus on your commitment to God. In fact, it's good to do that at any time of the year. But I think some of the saddest words in all the Bible are found in the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 8 and verse 20. 
The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. This is the situation of the people of Israel as they bemoan their condition. Jerusalem had been under siege by Nebuchadnezzar for almost two years, and the people of God had hoped for deliverance. The false prophets had promised them that deliverance was coming. It would come soon, and the problems will soon be over. But no deliverance came. There was no help because the people of God had turned away from God. Judgment was upon them, and they were facing now the Babylonian captivity. And all oh, those early chapters, in fact, the entire book of Jeremiah just talks about the grievous circumstances that were coming uh, upon the people of God. In chapter 6, Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 15, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not ashamed at all, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be cast down. Thus says the Lord in verse 16, stand in the way. Here's your solution. Here's the solution. Here's how you avoid the judgment. Stand in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. God says, I want to give you rest. But they said, we will not. We will not walk in it. And what a tragedy that was. The false prophets, false prophets said, oh, this thing, it's all short-lived. Yes, we're in captivity from Nebuchadnezzar now, but it won't be long. It'll be all over. Deliverance is coming, but none came. There was no help. Why was there no help? Because they had turned away from God. Judgment was upon them. They were facing captivity. Jeremiah chapter 6, Jeremiah chapter 8, rather, and in verse 11, the false prophets had spoken. They said, they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. There was a promise, peace is coming. Nebuchadnezzar is going to leave. It's all going to be good. But there was no peace. Harvest is past, summer is ended, and we are not saved. You know what this story is here in this part of Jeremiah? It's a story of missed opportunity. It's a story of people who missed their opportunity to make themselves right with God. I would just say this as I close the lesson this morning. Do not let your time pass. You're going to have opportunity this morning to obey Jesus Christ if you've never done that. You will have that opportunity. Don't let your time pass. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, I'll just close with this verse. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Whether you're young, whether you're old, this is your time to make yourself right with God. May God bless us all to that end that we might live and die in His will. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.